0: Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got we also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Thank you. We're going to get on the Word of God. Hey, stay on your feet for just a moment. Stay on your feet for just a moment before we get into this message I'm gonna put the scripture verse, we're gonna write down to business tonight, up on the screen, and I'm gonna read it to you. Then we're, then we're gonna get into this, this word. I am so excited to share this word from you with you. I've been off for three weeks. I've still been here, hosting, worshiping, but I am so excited to preach to you tonight. Put James chapter one up on the screen. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Is there anybody in this room that believes that? Anyone that has some good gifts? Some perfect gifts that have come from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Is there anyone thankful that you serve the same God today as yesterday and tomorrow? That you can rely on his word? That you can turn your back on him and he doesn't turn his back on you? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I've been there. I've turned my back and I've seen how he is still faithful. He's a faithful father. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, well, before you take your seat, do me one favor. We're in a really spiritual moment, and this title is not going to seem real spiritual. So I'm warning you. Choose a neighbor. If you know me, you know I got games. The one whom you love. Come on, married people, use your brains right now. The one whom you love. Come on, pick him. I'm looking. Pick your neighbor, the one whom you love. First time guests are like, what the heck is this guy doing? The one whom you love. And get ready to say our message title. Say, give me. me. Come on, come on. Say it like you're in church. Give me. me What I want. Oh, yeah, you like that one. You can say that one real loud. Have a seat. Have a seat. We're going to get in the word of God. Give me what I want. How can that be the word of God? You just wait. You just wait a minute. How's that for some worship, huh? Unbelievable. This almost gone voice is brought to you by Marianne J. George and extreme worship, but we're gonna get through it. Give me what I want. If you've been coming to the river, you know that I have a son. I talked about him just a moment ago. His name is Maverick. He is the best kid in the whole world. He comes in here for worship, but he leaves during the sermon because he gets a little Pentecostal, if you know what I'm saying. He gets a little vocal during the message. Any Pentecostals in here tonight? You can. Oh. Baptist, don't worry. You're safe, okay? This is a safe space for you, but you can get vocal during the message if you want to. Even the Baptist, that's cool. You can do that. If you're like, what is that? I don't even know what those things are. You're welcome too. Don't worry. My son. His name's Maverick. Like I said, he is the object of my affection. He is the apple of my eye. I love this kid so much. My wife and I were married eight years before we had him, and he is the biggest blessing. Um, But he is in an interesting state right now. He is 14 months old, and it's a really interesting age. Where are my parents at? Put your hands up, parents. Let me see you. This is interactive (laughs) preaching. All right, y'all know, you've been there. He's a toddler. I know at 14 months, they're technically a baby, but my kid is not a baby anymore, he's a toddler, okay? He can run, he can jump, he can climb, he can talk. I wasn't ready, y'all, this came very quickly. I thought that was by like age three. And he's in a dangerous state because he has learned how to express what he wants. Very clearly, in fact, his first word was more. He learned the baby signal, more, 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 more. And he keeps saying it. Um, I think I got a picture of him from last night. Could you put that up on the screen? Look at that little guy right there. Come on, that's my mini me and he completes me. That's uh, at the park, right across the street. That was last night. Beautiful weather, big smile on his face. That's what I want you to think that situation looked like last night. Put the next picture up on the screen. That's actually... <laughs> what it looked like and I know you don't know because it's just an image but he was screaming more at that moment more more because he wants to go higher and he wants to go faster y'all this kid is crazy which means he is definitely my son I have no concerns in that area he is me through through and through but it's a dangerous age because he knows now what he wants But let's be honest, he has no concept of what he needs. He certainly knows what he wants. He can communicate what he wants. He can run to go get what he wants. He can climb to get what he wants. And if I'm being honest with you, usually what he wants is either flammable or sharp or at extreme heights for a 14-month-old or rocks, and, and he likes to eat rocks. I didn't know kids do that. That's a weird thing. So... He wants all the time, if you pick him up, he would be like, oh, he's so cute. And then he'll start pointing somewhere right away and just telling you to go somewhere. And, and it's a scary phase of life because he hasn't learned a concept yet called fear. And you might go, that's good. Like, don't we want our kids to be fearless as parents? Yeah, we do, kind of, kind of. In some ways, my friends, fear can be a good thing. In fact, I would tell you this, that fear is actually the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says it this way, that the fear of the Lord, you'll see it come up on the screen, is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There is a lot of wisdom in that one verse right there, but see, he's in a dangerous phase because he has no fear. See this edge right here? No concept. He'll just run straight up to it. Crowd dive. Y'all would not catch me, probably, so I'm not going to do it. He would just run right up and jump off. No fear yet. See, so I have to be the gatekeeper of what he gets to. And so does Lindsay, his mom, and the rest of our family. Because he knows what he wants, but he has no idea the consequences yet of what he wants. Well, last weekend, we were up at the cottage, and we were in an ice cream shop. And this kid loves ice cream. I mean, loves it. And he sees mom getting an ice cream and grandma getting an ice cream and grandpa. So he wants, naturally, an ice cream. He's a baby. He's 14 months old. He should not be having an ice cream. Of course I won't let him do that. Show them the picture. (laughs) Of course I won't order an ice cream, a whole cotton candy ice cream for my 14-month-old baby while his mom is not looking. Of course I won't do that. I did. That's cute. I won't show you the next picture where it was on his head upside down like a cone. <laughs> I love as a father to say yes to him. When you you that are parents, you know that you would love to say yes to your kids, but honestly, at this stage of his life, my job right now is pretty much full-time no. No, 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 you can't do that. No, you can't do that. And the reason why it's like that right now is I want him to grow up one day and actually become an adult that's living and not dead so he can actually get what he wants. So right now I have to say a whole lot of no's to him. And as his father, whenever he asks me for something, give me what I want, there are three options that I can choose from to say to him. I can say yes like the ice cream cone. I can say no. And then there's a third option. And that's the one I want to talk to you about a lot tonight. I can say, not now. Not now, Mav, not now. That's that's what I can say. Maybe I can say not yet. And our Father in heaven, the one you just saw, Father of heavenly lights, God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, Creator of the universe, our Father. He has those same three choices. When you say to him, give me what I want. And by the way, it's not a bad thing to go to the Lord with your desires, to ask him for what you want. In fact, the book of Philippians puts it this way. It says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests made known to the Lord. You heard that one before? So you can make your requests made known to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, God, this is what I want through prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving. You can do that, and we all do, it. okay? Don't act like you don't. I do it all the time. When I go to bed tonight, I'm going to pray to God for a whole lot of things that I want to see him do in my life. And sometimes it's not just a thing. Sometimes it's not a blessing. Sometimes it's clarity. God, show me if I should do this. Should I say yes to him? Should I buy that? Should I take that meeting? Should I do that? Because there is nothing better than when you get clarity from your Father. When you get a yes from your Heavenly Father. And you can step forward in the assurance of knowing that it is in His perfect will. There's nothing better than that. So let's talk about that first, the first one. That's my first point. Yes, would you look to your neighbor, the one you ignored awkwardly a minute ago. This is awkward. Your second round choice. I'm looking, you got to play the game. You want Marianne for more worship you got to play the game. Come on. Who's your second second choice? Look to him and say yes. No, say it like you just won the lottery. Yes. I thought you were Christians. Y'all play the lottery? Wow. Judgy. Yes. God loves to say yes to you. This isn't some prosperity gospel. It's just the gospel. God loves to say yes to you, but when it's in your best interest. Because he loves you. But he does love to say yes to you. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. yes. Come on, somebody. They are yes. yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, amen, by the way, means it is so, is spoken by us to the glory of God. In the holy scriptures, God makes over 3,000 promises to you. And newsflash, he is going to keep everything single one come on anyone believe that I make a lot of promises to God and I break some of them but he has not broken one ever and he never will he loves to say yes to you and he's made promises to you in Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart that's a yes When he gives you the desires of your heart, y'all, that is a yes. He loves to say yes to you, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the high noon. Your father, your heavenly father loves to say yes to you. He is not a stingy God. The world today wants you to think that he's a stingy God and he wants to take fun out of your life. You can't do that, you can't do that, you can't hang out with them, you can't drink this, you can't do that. He is not a stingy father, he's a loving father that likes to say yes to you. But there are certain times that a yes is not appropriate. Let me tell you a situation in my life where I needed a yes. Your boy, that's me, let me do some math. Why are you laughing? I say your boy like that, it's offensive. Eleven years ago, I got a bright idea to marry the most amazing woman on earth. She's caring for my son right now. That's how amazing she is. Oh, this is good. I can say things that she won't know. This is good. I got an opportunity. Eleven years ago, your boy put her on a flight to New York City, the land of MJ and Pastor Chris, took her on a horse and carriage ride. Classy. Central Park. Beautiful weather. Beautiful day. Took her to a beautiful bridge. Made up some bogus story about I was going to take a picture of her and asked her to look the other way. And then your boy did what? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He got down on one knee, baby. And he pulled out that ring, that used ring that he bought. (laughs) She's not here. Don't tell her. (laughs) And I said, will you marry me? And what do you think she said? Yes! Yes. That was a great moment. And then, that's what I heard. I heard clapping. I'm like, what the heck? I turn around in Central Park, there's like 400 people taking a video of this. If she said no, your boy would have been toast. I would have been on YouTube as a failure. But thank God she said yes. And eight and a half years later, she still says yes. I don't know why, but she does. If you knew me, you, you'd know she deserves more applause than that. I had a friend, though, in college who a couple years after me called me and told me how excited he was to do the same thing. He didn't fly her to New York because he's not your boy. Um, <laughs> but he seems classy. He did it right. He wasn't cheap, okay? He did it right. And, and he gets down on a knee and proposes to her. And then he calls me the next day, and I'm like, how'd it go? Tell me how to go, man. What'd she say? She said yes. He goes, she said maybe. <laughs> and I just, you know, I was on the phone, but this was my face. I was like, maybe? What the heck does maybe you're gonna marry someone mean? Yo, this is one of those situations where clarity is needed. It's very simple. It's a yes or a no. There's no in-between. And I said, tell me, tell me, what did she say? And he's like, I don't really want to tell you. I'm like, tell me, dude. So he tells me, he says, well, she said maybe if I get that promotion at work and my income can support the lifestyle that she wants to live, then maybe she'll say yes to me. Y'all, I wasn't a pastor yet, so I said some things that I should not say. And I have begged forgiveness from the Lord many times. I have repented and changed my ways. I said to him, maybe you should tell her to get lost. Maybe you should forget her phone number. Maybe you should... No, I stopped there. I didn't go any farther. At least I'm not going to tell you what I said next. Maybe... This is the person you're going to spend your whole life with. and There's no option for maybe. It's yes or it's no. And if it's no, that's fine. Let me go. I'll find somebody else. Now, I, I won't say anything more about him. <laughs> Anyways, there's, there's more of a story there. It's yes or it's no, and when you get clarity, it's great. Don't worry. He didn't marry her. He's married to someone much better now. Um... That's the Sparknotes version of the story. Yeah, clap for him. Get a promotion, income level, come on. It's disgusting. Anyways. Yes or no? There's nothing better than when you get a yes from your God, but now I want to get all up in your grill. That's what this thing's for, to get up in your grill. Um Oh yeah. <laughs> you say, "Oh God," He can help you. That was good. That is the place to go. A yes is great, but what I want to tell you tonight is that sometimes a no is even better. Sometimes a no from your father, who by the way is omniscient, that's a fancy word for he knows it all. Sometimes a no from him is something you should be a lot more thankful for than a yes. The more I grow up in my faith with God, I learn that mature Christianity is knowing how to thank God for a no just as much as a yes. And it preaches nice and it claps nice, but it's hard because when you don't get what you want and you get a no, you don't feel like the desires of your heart are being met. But what What we fail to understand is that that door that we want God to open that looks so attractive that we've been praying for, that we've been building for, that we've been saving for, that we've been applying for, what we don't know is what's on the other side of that door. But God your Father does. Sometimes that door that you think is so sexy and so awesome that you want to open, if you opened it, across the threshold would be a cliff. And God will slam that door straight in your face. And in that no, that's when the enemy comes in. Because then he goes, ha, 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 I got a chance. I can make them think that God doesn't love them. God doesn't love me. He just saved me from stepping over a cliff. The problem is you're not omniscient. You don't know if there's a cliff. I don't know if there's a cliff, but he does. Sometimes a no is so thankful. Someone in here has an X and you should be real thankful for that no. Where are you at? This man's clapping real loud right here. It sounds like they know something. You can clap for him too. Yeah, you know what we call that in church? We call that an exaltation. I promised Lindsay I wouldn't tell any dad jokes. She said it's cringy, I'd do it anyway. That's an exaltation. I'm proud of you. (laughs) There are some no's in life that you should be real thankful for. Think about my parents, y'all, that put your hand up. Let's try to hit everybody. My parents, a lazy father just says yes to their kid. What is the most surefire way to spoil your child? To just say yes. It sure is easy. I've worked all day. I just sat on the couch, got the game on. Hey, Dad, 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 can I go play hockey in traffic? Yeah, 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 son, just go do it. Traffic? He's going to get killed. A lazy father says yes, but your father is not a lazy father. Come on. Your father loves you enough to say no when it's in your best interest. And that is something that we should be thankful for. And look, sometimes when he says no and shuts that door right in your face, sometimes he will let you kick that door down and still go through it on your own. Sometimes he will. And it might look like it's working out, but let me tell you a little word of wisdom. If you get it on your own, you will have to sustain it on your own. Good luck with that. If you get it on your own, you're going to have to sustain it on your own. His no was for a reason. It was because he loved you. And if he's not in it, trust me, you don't want it. His presence, my friends, is so much more important than our preference. That's true mature Christianity is figuring that out. That his presence is worth more than our preference. So sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says a third one. Not now. That's what I really came to talk to you about tonight. Not now. Look to a different neighbor. Third one. I don't know. This is getting ridiculous. Let's be honest. Your third one and say, Not now. No, no, no. Say it snappy. Not now. Come on. Like you're a guy and your girl wants to talk about her feelings and it's overtime in the game. Not now. That was a bad analogy. <laughs> half the room hated that. Half the room loved it. i got to work on my analogies. Not now. Sometimes that's what he says. He says not now. This past weekend, I was mowing my lawn. A maverick came out. My son. That's my son. And he just wants to do everything that his dad does, which is really an honor. Dad's like, don't take that for granted. That's, that's incredible. That they want to be like us. And he sees me pushing this lawnmower. So I stop and I'm done, and he's playing in the front yard. And, and he goes over to the lawnmower all by himself, he's 14 months, and he starts pushing the lawnmower. Cutest thing I've ever seen. Except the lawnmower has a 22 inch rotating sword on the bottom of it. And it's not a real safe thing for a kid to play with. So what I have to say to him is not now. Later on, I would love for him to cut the lawn, that would be great. But at 14 months, not now. See, he doesn't understand that that's too dangerous for him right now. He's got some growing up to do. He's got some lessons to learn. He's got some strength to build. He's got some wisdom to gain. He's got some knowledge and understanding he needs to attain before he can do that. So what do I say to him like a good father? I say, not now. One day, son, you can do it, but not now. That's toddler stuff. Let's get a little more adult. Anyone in here a pilot or flown a plane? Put your hand up. One. To, we got a lot, okay, y'all are cool. Pilots are cool people. Just gonna start with that. I would love to be a pilot one day. Um, I named my son Maverick. That should tell you something about that. I would love to be a pilot one day. I would love to fly a plane. Let me ask you a question, you that put your hands up. Can I, can I fly your plane? Okay, you know how I know he's a pilot? Because he said no. If he said yes, His yes to me would result in my death, and bro, if you were with me, probably yours too. We would both die, because I have only done Microsoft Flight Simulator like twice, and I have no idea how to take off a plane, or even worse, how to land a plane. I have no concept of it. So I could go to this fine-looking man right here who I've never met in my life and get angry at him. Why do you say no to me? You don't like me? Is it the way I dress? What's wrong with you? Or I could realize that his no just saved my life. That his not now, he might say something to me like, go to flight school and then maybe you can fly my plane. Get a few hours, then you maybe could fly my plane. He might say something like that to me. Sometimes God is saying not now to protect us. Because we got to go through some things, y'all. And that makes sense. What I'm preaching so far sounds really good and simple. You know why it sounds simple and it's easy to embrace the lawnmower analogy and the pilot analogy? Because you know the why. You know why a 14-month-old shouldn't push a lawnmower. You know why an idiot without a pilot's license shouldn't fly a plane. You know why. But most of the time, when God says not now to you, you have no idea why. Sit there for a minute. Most of the time when he says not now, you can't go, oh, yeah, great, because you love me, and later on, it'll be good for me. No, no, no. Most of the time, you go, what, God? Why? Why not now? Why can't I have that now? Why not now? And that, my friends, is where frustration can come in. That's where darkness can start to settle in on your life. That's where you start seeing shadows, and, 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 and the enemy, the enemy loves lurking in the shadows. The enemy doesn't like the light, because then you can see him for what he really is. And then you know he's not a threat, because you have a God that is so much greater than him. Amen? Amen? All the way in the back, amen? But in the shadows, in the darkness, when you don't know why, in those shifting shadows, that's where he likes to lurk. Look to your neighbor and say, shadows. 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 That's where he likes to lurk, in the shadows, in the dark. Anyone here scared of the dark? Men, you can put your hand up. Come on, you know. Who's scared of the dark? Okay, we got about 500 honest people and 2,500 liars. Ain't none of y'all like the dark, unless you got night vision, okay? I hate the dark. I am scared of the dark. And it's not because I'm a scaredy cat. Okay, I'll tell you some reasons. But you ever stop to think why you're scared of the dark? I'm weird. I'm like a why person. I think a thought and then I want to know why. Why? Why are you scared of the dark? Because in darkness, things are uncertain. You can't see what's coming at you. You can't see your surroundings. And that uncertainty then leads to something called insecurity. And now you don't feel safe. Because you you don't know that you could defend yourself. You don't know what's coming at you. And that insecurity manifests itself in a visceral response called fear. And that's the end result is that you start being scared in the dark. That's how you get to fear. Because it's uncertain and then you're insecure and that makes you scared. Because nobody likes to be insecure. That's when the enemy likes to come in. That is his go zone. That is where he focuses his fight. And it's why the Holy Scriptures, in one English translation, says do not fear exactly 365 times. Because there are 365 days in the year, and you need a reminder every single day of your life to not fear. And it's not like a little thing that your grandma has over the stove, like a reminder. It's a commandment. Do not fear. Because when you get entrapped in fear, you will do things and tolerate things and allow things that you would never do if you were standing in the light. But when you're in the dark and you're scared and you have fear, things will come in. When you're in the shadows, when you're in the shifting shadows, things will come in. And that's what the enemy likes to do. Let me tell you why I'm scared of the dark. That was a good psychological analysis of why people are scared of the dark. Mine is more simple because I'm a simple man. My wife is not here. This is perfect. My wife, that wonderful woman of God, has a very evil habit. Everybody go, oh. It's great. She's not here. This is really good. This girl likes to lurk in the shadows of the house and lurk and hide places, and wait for me for unknowing lengths of times to come around a corner and go, ah! And then I scream like a seven-year-old female, and then she laughs at me every time, and it's humiliating, and now it's worse because she holds a baby when she does it. And my son laughs at me because I scream. I startle easily. Anyone else here startle easily? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. We're just, I figured it out. We're too caffeinated. We've got to cut caffeine. I think that's it. And we need to sleep more. I think That's another thing, which is related to caffeine. Anyways, I startle easy. That's why I don't like the dark. And she lurks in the shadows. What a word, lurk. It's like a disgusting word. Guy was lurking over there by the bathroom. Creepy. Lurk is a weird word. Lurking. The enemy is what he does. He lurks in those shadows, and he waits for you to start doubting. Here's what he waits for you to start doubting. He wants you to believe. Listen to me close. He wants you to believe that when God says not now to you, he's saying never. Did you hear me? He wants you to believe when God says not now, he means never. I'm 30 years old, and I'm still single. I'll never find somebody. I've been addicted for eight years. I'll never be free. He wants you to believe that a not now is a never. And that's where he makes his money. That's where he can do his work. That's what he wants you to believe. And he hides in the shadows. But hear this, my friend. There's something about shadows, that thing you just said before. He wants you to believe that the fact that you are looking into a shadow He wants you to believe that that shadow you see is evidence that God has left you. But I want to tell you a truth tonight that is the opposite. The very fact that you can see a shadow means that God is still shining his light upon you. Yeah, you catch that? Jay, show it to him. Show him what it looks like. We'll be dramatic for a minute. You see that shadow? I'm looking out into a shadow right now. And the enemy wants me to think that because all I see is a shadow, there's no more light. But all I've done is I've turned my back on the light. The light hasn't left, but right now I don't see it. I just see shadow. And the enemy lurks in that shadow, and he wants you to believe that that not now is never. Or that that no is because God hates you or wants to restrict you or wants to control you or he manipulates you. That's what the enemy does wants. That's his goal. But guys, you got to understand that God is like the sun. S-U-N, the sun. God is like the sun. And the sun does not simply stop shining just because the earth rotates and day turns to night. You catch that? The sun doesn't stop shining at 9.30 when you walk out. The earth has just turned its back on the sun for a little while, just for a little while. But though that weeping may endure for a little while, guess what? There is joy in the morning. There is light in the morning. If we will turn back towards the sun, the father of heavenly lights, there is joy in the morning. God is like the sun, S-U-N. And God sent his Son. S-O-N. 2,000 years ago to die on a cross and defeat death, hell, and the grave for you and for me so that we could always be in the light no matter how many times we turn our back on him. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. That's the greatest gift that we could ever give. Somebody say shadow. Shadow. Somebody say shadow. shadow. The shadow that you see is not evidence that God has left you. It's evidence that he's still shining on you the enemy is smart he wants you to think that it's absence but my friends the shadow simply means that there has something that has come between you and the son you and God there's something blocking it that's why you see shadows that's why you're not getting every good and perfect thing that is from the father of lights put our verse back up James 1:17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's why you're not getting every good and perfect thing. Because you might say to me, Pastor, your preaching sounds nice, but I'm not getting every good and perfect thing right now. One of the reasons why is because that not now can come in, and the enemy can twist it, and it can become a barrier between you and the light. Between you and your creator. And there are all kinds of things that can be barriers that can get between you and the sun. This next one is not popular preaching, but I'll be honest with you, I don't really care about being popular. I care about what's true. Sin. Sin is like a curtain that can block the light. A curtain doesn't mean that the light doesn't shine anymore, but it certainly can block it and create a lot of darkness and create a lot of shadows. And it separates us, and sometimes sin in our life precipitates a not now from God. Sometimes he says, son, you gotta figure that out first before I can bless you with that. You gotta figure it out before I give you that dream girl. You gotta figure it out before I give you that dream job or that dream man. Sometimes that is the barrier that will cast a shadow. But hear me close, hear me close, because this type of preaching incomplete is very dangerous. You need the whole picture. You ever heard the term, that that person is living far from God, you ever heard that, oh man, I'm just far from God, or he's far from God, I want to tell you, that term is a lie from the devil, you can never be far from God, when he says that he will never leave you, forsake you, or abandon you, he means it, he doesn't say, I'll never leave you, unless you do something bad, peace out, I'm gone, you are never far from your maker. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. But things can come between you and him. Sin can cause separation. Not just sin. There can be, there can be other things that will get him in the way and, and cast a shadow. But what I really want you to know, because there's a lot of people in this room that has to grasp on, have to grasp onto this truth. God's presence is not conditioned upon your performance. I said, God's presence is not conditioned upon your performance. That's religion, that's not relationship. His presence is not conditioned upon your performance. Sometimes there's other things that get in the way. Sometimes he's saying, not now, because you gotta build some things first. Sometimes he's saying, not now, because you gotta wait, W A I T, so that you can handle the weight. W-E-I-G-H-T, of the blessing that he's going to give you. Sometimes you just got to wait. That's that song that you sing here in love, to wait on the Lord. Sometimes you have to wait, and there's a shadow that is cast in that season. Somebody say, "Not not now. Not now. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's just real simple. It's a danger being avoided that you don't know about. You don't get that job, but you don't know next week that company's going under. You don't know what your boss would have been like and what he or she would have done to you if you got that job. You don't get to go to that thing tomorrow that you wanted to go to. You didn't know there was going to be an accident there tomorrow. He's omniscient. He knows what's on the other side of the door. The not now is always for your good. Not for his. It's always for your good. Sometimes the thing coming in between, casting a shadow, is just a focus. A focus. Sometimes we get our focus wrong and our focus mixed up in life and we focus on the wrong things and we cry out, God, why don't you give me my 10-year plan? Show me what I'm going to do for the next 10 years. And God says, if I showed you everything that was going to happen, what would you need me for? You wouldn't look to me anymore. You wouldn't love me. You wouldn't serve me anymore. You'd serve the plan and not the planner. Things will come between us that will cast a shadow. But my friends, what I'm saying in so many words is the not now is always for a divine purpose. And that purpose, here we go. This is the whole thing. That purpose, that divine purpose is not to give me what I want. It's something else. It's to give me, show it to him what I need. It's simple. I appreciate the applause, but it's simple. is the divine purpose is always to give you what you need because a good father doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. And that is infinitely better than getting what you want. He says it in his word. Put Philippians up on the screen. He says, and my God will supply every need. Look to your neighbor and say it like a preacher. Every need. Come on, every need. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. You should sleep well tonight knowing that every need is met according to his glory, Christ Jesus. It might not be what you want, but I promise you it will be what you need. But the enemy, man, the enemy comes in in that not now season, in that no season. And the enemy lurks in those shadows and tries to work on your mind and get you away from your creator. So the Lord wants you to realize something tonight. I believe that in my soul. It's the last thing I'm going to say to you and then we're going to go back to worship soon. The Lord wants you to realize something tonight. That there is a way to avoid and resist the temptations of the enemy in the season of shadows. There is a way. Anybody want to know that way? Anybody want to know that way? It's not from Ryan McVitie. I can't give you anything worth a dollar. It's from the Holy Scriptures. It's from the Word of God. There is a way in the season of shadows to avoid it. And it's the answer to a simple question. And let me ask you the question. What is the one time of day that you can not see a shadow? Somebody think. What is the one time of day that you cannot see a shadow? Somebody said it right here, 12 o'clock, noon. High noon, is called. You go outside at high noon, and guess what you won't see? A shadow. You won't see a shadow anywhere. Do you know why? Because at high noon, the sun is directly above you. And you don't see a single shadow. Wait for it, wait for it. You don't see a single shadow when the sun is directly above you at high noon. Put up Psalm 37 that you've read twice already tonight. Put it up. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the high noon. Put the next verse on the screen. Wait for it. James 1.17. Here it comes again. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, above coming down, who does not change like shifting shacks. The only way you avoid the shifting shadows, my friends, is by staying directly under the light. It's the only way. When you stand directly under the light, you don't see a single shadow no matter which way you look. Left, right, forward, back, in your future, in your past, you get clarity, you get certainty. If, you desi- if your desires align with the Lord's desires, you get the desires of your heart. But what we do is we like to put the Lord over here, only over there, in one place, right there. And we see him right there, and maybe that place is church. Yeah, he's the Lord on Sunday at church, but then we look at Monday, whoa, shadows. All I see is shadows. Or maybe we put him over here to another side. And we put him there, and we make him Lord in our life, but not in our career. There's no space for God in our career. And then we look at our career, and it's filled with uncertainty and shadows, and it's not working, and we wonder why all along while our back is turned to the light. There's only one way, my friends, to avoid the shadows. It is to stand directly beneath the Lord. When you put him at high noon, yeah, when you put him at high noon, straight above, there are no shadows. And get this, James 1.17. Now every good and perfect thing, because that's what he wants for you. He's not, he's not a stingy God. Every good and perfect thing from above can now come down. But if you're not below him, if you've positioned him over there, if you've positioned him over there, you're going to be left looking at a shadow of uncertainty, and the enemy is going to try to come. And when it comes down, that every good and perfect thing, it might not be what you want, but I promise you, it will be everything that you need. Everything that you need. It might not be your preference, but it will come with his presence. That is the key. If you can stand in his presence, you will get every single thing that you need. Philippians 4.19, every need. That's what you'll get, every single Need. Would you stand back to your feet because we're going to go back to worship. Worship team, come on up. This is an opportunity now not to leave, not to worry about the morning, but to get in the light, to get in his presence. C.S. Lewis said this, he said that it is in the process of being worshipped that God reveals his presence the most. If you're legalistic and you say, I don't listen to C.S. Lewis, the Lord says, I inhabit the praise of my people. How about that one? This is an opportunity for you to stand directly under the light. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You don't have to see shadows of uncertainty in your life anymore. He wants every good and perfect thing for you. But will you be beneath him when he pours it out? Or will you move him over there and miss it? Or will you move him over here and miss it? Or only catch part of it? He wants every good and perfect thing for you. But if you're going to receive it, you've got to be underneath him. It's the only way. Until we delight in the Lord, we will not get the desires of our heart. My friends, we're just like my son, Maverick. We're kids. We have no idea what we actually need. We only know what we want. But he knows what you need. And he's got it. And it's available tonight. And you can have it. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to build for months to get it. You just got to get under the light. How do you do it? You put him above It's not a metaphor, it's not allegory, it's not preaching. You put him back on the throne where he belongs. The throne of your heart. So right now you have an opportunity. You can grasp it. You have an opportunity to make him the king of your heart again. For some of you, you've never done it. And this is the first chance you've had. For some of you, he was above for many, many years, but now he's over there. He's only above parts, not all of it. I want you to have every good and perfect thing. So you've got to bring him back and make him the king of your heart tonight. Will you do that? Will you do that tonight? Let's worship the king of our hearts.